be nice to see so many of you. And it's lovely to be back as well. I worked out that it's been almost three years to the day since I last preached here at an evening service at Wash Common. And boy, has a lot changed since then. Three years ago, I was a student, and now I'm kind of still a student. Um, three years ago, Arsenal were an abysmally bad football team, and now are actually quite good. And three years ago, I couldn't grow any facial hair, and well, still can't. Things haven't changed there. <laughs> um, anyway, anyway. As Mark alluded to, this evening we'll be looking at the character of Nicodemus and focusing on how he is a great example of discipleship for us to learn from. So I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with him, but hopefully you'll learn something this evening and we'll see the Holy Spirit move. But first, I recently, as I mentioned, I'm still a student, but I graduated in the summer. And one thing that I loved doing at uni increasingly more during my tenure was cooking in first year I was a shocking cook my mum will vouch me I was awful she's not in her head it's true Um, but I began to enjoy it more and more year and year however one staple of my university experience was an absolute classic which you may not be familiar with and this was something my mum first served to me when I was a child and I've loved it ever since and it is a dish composed of pizza Jacket potato, baked beans, and for me, ketchup. Has, has anyone had that? And she can vouch for it. I would really recommend you try it. it is, it's ridiculous amounts of carbs with ridiculous amounts of carbs. Loads of calories with loads of calories. It's amazing. And so, like I said, my mum first served this to me when I was a child. And I encountered this meal when I was young. And... I tasted it and I believed it to taste good. And then I got to uni and my housemates saw me cooking this meal and they were like, what is this monstrosity? Why do you need to add anything to pizza? And I don't blame them because after I ate the meal, I couldn't move for about half an hour. Um, But I didn't agree with them. I had to say, how can you condemn this meal when you haven't even tasted it? So after I encountered this meal and believed it to be good, I then had to stand up for it to my housemates And then, thankfully, one of my housemates was willing to try it, and he loved it, just like Sarah. And we shared many a lovely pizza and jacket and Friday evening together. It was great. I haven't just said that to talk about pizza. We will try and draw a parallel in Nicodemus. Who's heard of Nicodemus out of interest? Cool. Lots of you. Lots of you haven't, but hopefully you can all learn something. Nicodemus is someone mentioned in three parts of the gospel according to John and we're going to go through each of them but just for a bit of context which I think is really important in this talk let's look at the first verse where he's mentioned so he's mentioned in John chapter 3 first of all and from the first verse we learn two things that Nicodemus 1 was a Pharisee now some of you may be familiar with the Pharisees They were a somewhat political party when Jesus lived and in and around when he lived. And they were, even though they were respected well by the Jewish community at the time, they were very, 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 very committed to meticulously following Jewish laws and human-made traditions as well. There was lots of regulations you can read about in the first five books of the Old Testament around keeping the Sabbath, 
around eating certain foods and not eating certain foods. But sometimes the trouble was they put the following of the tradition above the reason that those laws were in place. And as a result, when Jesus committed certain things, performed certain things rather, that seemingly broke tradition, the Pharisees were there lurking about judging Jesus. For example, when he healed on the Sabbath. And so a lot of the time the Pharisees conflicted with, judged, disagreed with Jesus. They did not believe him to be the son of God. And in fact, the Pharisees completely opposed him. So Nicodemus was a Pharisee and he was also a member of the Jewish ruling council, also known as the Sanhedrin. In Jerusalem, this was like the Jewish supreme court made of 71 people. And again, these people were completely opposed to Jesus as well. They did not believe him to be the son of God. Both the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin made several attempts to kill Jesus before he eventually was arrested. And it was the Sanhedrin that condemned him as worthy of death. So I think this is important to note because already we see that Nicodemus is part of two groups of people, not just one, who weren't just indifferent on Jesus but completely opposed him. And yet we see three great examples of Nicodemus accepting and serving Jesus. And just like with the pizza and jacket potato in my life, Nicodemus encountered Jesus. He represented and stood up for Jesus and he served Jesus. So we're going to go through each of those mentions and then think about what we can draw out. I hope that sounds good. Yes, brother, sounds good. Good, Steve. Glad to hear. So let's read the first passage. John chapter 3, verses 1 to 15. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you were doing if God were not with you. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born again when they are already old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How could this be? Nicodemus asked. You were Israel's teacher, Jesus said, and do you not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then? Will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into the kingdom of heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. That's quite a passage, isn't it? That's almost the gospel summed up. It's like I don't need to say anymore. And there's so much at the same time I could say but I'm going to focus on Nicodemus's perspective here, as that's what we're looking at. 
So Nicodemus here approaches Jesus at night, so no one would know he's going. The Pharisees and the Sanhedrin wouldn't know he's approaching Jesus. And he overcame huge boundaries to accept Jesus, someone who is not educated in formal Jewish law, someone from Galilee, to be a teacher from God. It's kind of like a Tottenham fan who's been a Tottenham fan all their life, who goes to every Tottenham game, surrounded by Tottenham fans, finally realising the truth that Arsenal are the better team. They must have overcome huge boundaries to accept this truth, and so Nicodemus does the same. And Jesus responds with some of the most well-known verses in the Bible, and aren't they lovely? To see the kingdom of God, ourselves and Nicodemus must be born again. Nicodemus, as we see, is initially confused. Surely they cannot enter in the third, a second time into their mother's womb, which is, is puzzling. I don't blame that he was confused if he was thinking about a physical rebirth. I, I don't know how my mum would rebirth me for a second time. I don't, don't really want to think about it. Um, but Jesus explains, nonetheless, that a spiritual rebirth of spirit and the water is required. Nicodemus as a Pharisee would not have been familiar with this concept and he keeps asking questions and we see this discourse. Although the Pharisees did believe in eternal life but Jesus ends the conversation with the fact that this eternal life is gained through believing in him. So like I mentioned and this is something I want to grasp Nicodemus was part of two groups completely opposed to Jesus And I think the fact that he somehow, even as a part of these two groups, manages to accept Jesus as a teacher from God is really encouraging news to us as Christians, isn't it? Because it shows that people who are even surrounded by no one who knows Jesus, may not know any Christians, can still come to accept Jesus as a teacher from God. And not just that, but the Son of God. And not just that, be born again. And I think this shows the huge role if not the fundamental role the Holy Spirit plays in convicting someone, in convincing them and drawing them towards Jesus. And I think this takes the pressure off us as human beings, sometimes like Jesus, well, not like Jesus, but um, we read that Nicodemus accepts Jesus as a teacher from God because of the signs he's doing. And it is important as humans to think about how we act and the signs we are doing. However, it takes a burden of us so that the Holy Spirit is ultimately the one that leads people to Jesus. And so we can be praying for those around us, for Nicodemuses around us, essentially, who are surrounded by people who do not believe in him. So we can be praying for the Holy Spirit to move in those people, and it does happen. And some of you may even have personal testimonies of such people in your lives who you may be the only Christian they know, yet they still have come to know Jesus. And it's a wonderful thing. So that's one thing. I want us to grasp and also one thing I think we can draw from this is like I slightly alluded to Jesus accepts or Nicodemus rather accepts Jesus as a teacher from God because of the signs he was performing and while we may not be performing miraculous signs as often as Jesus did although we do have the Holy Spirit with us we can be Christ-like to those Nicodemuses around us showing Christ's love which is putting others above ourselves doing things out of love for our friends. As so well summed up in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility, value others above yourselves. 
not looking to your own interests, but to the interests of others. So this is Nicodemus's first stage of discipleship. He's encountered Jesus, and once, or as so many people encounter Jesus, they are then born again. He starts believing, and he believes Jesus to be the Son of God, coming out of this wonderful conversation. So just like after the pizza and jacket, after I believed this thing to taste good, I then had to stand up for it for my housemates who did not believe it to taste good. And that is just like Nicodemus. He has to stand up for Jesus in front of the Pharisees. And the next mention of him is in John chapter 7, verses 45 to 52. Now a little bit of context, because we flicked through a few chapters. At this point, we are aware of from John 5, 17 and John 7, 1, that the Jewish leaders had tried to seize Jesus, had tried to kill him, and were plotting more attempts to do so. And then Jesus says, on the last day of the Jewish feast of tabernacles in the temple courts, he says, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, has rivers of living water within them. And the temple guards are tasked with arresting Jesus. They think, the Pharisees think he's crazy. They do not believe him to be the son of God. And hence, they probably think he's insane. But they were unsuccessful in arresting him. And that's where we read John seven forty-five to 52. Finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priests and the Pharisees, who asked them, why didn't you bring him in? No one ever spoke the way this man does, the guards replied. You mean he has deceived you also, the Pharisees retorted. Have any of the rulers or the Pharisees believed in him? No, but this mob that knows nothing of the law, there is a curse on them. Nicodemus, who had came to Jesus earlier and who was one of their own number, asked, does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he has been doing? They replied, are you from Galilee too? Look into it, and you will find that a prophet does not come out of Galilee. So we can see the Pharisees are absolutely fuming at this point. Jesus is still standing, and they say that the crowd who are following him know nothing of Jewish law. And while that may be true, Nicodemus does know the Jewish law, like the back of his hand, and he responds using the law they are so familiar with. And he stands up using this law in quite a clever way, I think, because he's using the Jewish law, which the Pharisees want to converse in, but he does it without obviously indicating his belief in Jesus. And this is important because Nicodemus is a Pharisee, and it's alluded to in John twelve forty two that if he publicly professed as a Pharisee his faith of Jesus, then he'd be put out of the synagogue. He wouldn't be a Pharisee or a member of the Sanhedrin anymore. However, he does respond nonetheless because he cannot let the Pharisees retort. He cannot let them speak on behalf of Nicodemus, but also spout rubbish about him. And he says, does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he's been doing? He's asking a question. He's putting forward a question, just like Jesus so often does when he's putting forward an argument, doesn't he? And again, I think this is very, very courageous of him because he's doing this in the presence of just Pharisees. He might be the only one there who knows Jesus, and yet he's still standing up for him. What strength and integrity that takes. As I said, it's very difficult for Nicodemus to publicly accept Jesus, but he still stands up for him. And for some of us, we may be able to publicly profess our faith and talk about Jesus, 
And that is amazing. And these sorts of conversations, we can have great discourse with people in a gentle and loving way. But some of us may find it very difficult or may not even be allowed, for example, in our workplaces to share our faith and talk about it openly. But I think Nicodemus shows here that it is still possible to represent Jesus, not just through our actions, but through our words. Standing up for him by questioning where the other people's belief of Jesus is coming from, where their conceptions come from. This might be in our workplaces or in social circles. It may be very difficult to share faith. But like I said, we can still stand up for him. Some of you guys are off to uni in the next couple of weeks, which is exciting, but there may be circles, maybe societies or in your flats where you may find it very difficult to stand up for Jesus. But I think Nicodemus shows that we still can. But not from our own strength, but the strength of the Holy Spirit who convicted us to believe in him. For the Spirit of God, rather the Spirit God gave us, does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline, as Paul tells us in the book of 2 Timothy 1.7. So moving on to the final mention of Nicodemus, and this is literally just a sentence, but I think we can still draw a lot from his actions. And like with the pizza and jacket potato thing again, I believed this thing to be good, I encountered it, I then stood up for it, and then I, had, I could serve it to my housemate, I had the pleasure of doing that. <laughs> that, that wasn't meant to be funny but um, <laughs> anyway <laughs> so we move to John 19 38 to 42 and at this point Jesus had been crucified and he has been crucified as a result of the Sanhedrin condemning Jesus as worthy of death and then he was put to the crowds and crucified as a punishment by them we can be sure Nicodemus didn't agree with this punishment but we don't see him mentioned in any of the gospel accounts when Jesus is put before the Sanhedrin. And so we read John 19, 38 to 42, the burial of Jesus. Later, Joseph of Arathamea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus bought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 35 kilograms. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb, in which no one had ever been laid. Because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. So we have another well-respected Pharisee joining the picture here, Joseph of Arathamea. And he comes to Pilate and requests Jesus' body. And then Nicodemus brings the spices necessary for a proper burial, a proper dignified burial, according to Jewish customs. Now, at this point, even though it mentions Joseph being a secret disciple, both of them, because they're burying Jesus, are publicly showing their discipleship. And just imagine how difficult that would be. Imagine how difficult that would be for Nicodemus. He's burying the one who he believes is the Messiah of the world, who had just been whipped, who had just been spat on by people, who had just been beaten up, who had just been mocked by those he loved who had died on the cross for us and these people were having to bury him. 
what humility and strength and courage that shows and love as well but how difficult that must have been for him we won't physically bury Jesus's body but I do think this draws a parallel with serving Jesus especially in parts of our lives where there may be other people not serving him Again, we see Nicodemus's actions are not influenced by those around him. And this is one thing I really want us to grasp about him and about discipleship. Nicodemus is just doing what is right, what he believes is right, really following Jesus. A lot of the followers of Jesus aren't anywhere to be seen in this passage. The disciples aren't accounted for. A lot of them probably weren't there. Yet Nicodemus is still burying his body. What faith that shows. And I think, like I said, this should show that we shouldn't just stand up for Jesus, whilst that is very important in circles where not many people know him, but also serve him. And that may be practical, maybe helping people out, doing favours for people, but it could just be praying for those around us, praying for circles where not many people know Jesus. Like I said, our friendship groups, our workplaces, clubs, sports societies, things like that. It could just be praying for those people and witnessing So, in conclusion, we learn through Nicodemus and we see through Nicodemus three key aspects of discipleship with each one building on the previous. Like with the combination of pizza and jacket that I am so fond of, Nicodemus encountered Jesus and believed him to be good, not because of, well, not because in our lives, because of us, but because of the Holy Spirit And we talked about how the Holy Spirit is the one truly who convicts and convinces people, even those who may not know any Christians. And that's really encouraging. And we also looked at how we can be Christ-like to Nicodemuses around us so that those people may receive eternal life. Then we saw how Nicodemus stood up for Jesus. And some of us can do this openly, that's great. Some of us can't, or it may be very difficult in our circumstances, but we can still stand up for him with our words and actions. And people see that, people take notice. Notice how in the final passage, Joseph of Arathamea is also a disciple, but we don't hear a mention of him in the second mention of Nicodemus. And then finally, we see Nicodemus serving Jesus. And we can use our gifts inside of church, which is amazing, but also outside of church to those places where people may not know him. And again, this was all done by a Pharisee and a member of the Sanhedrin. A group of people or two groups of people who were completely opposed to Jesus. In every mention Nicodemus has, he wasn't, he wasn't cheered on by anyone. He didn't have much company. But we're blessed to have our church body where we can encourage each other. Although there may be groups of people um, where we feel on our own. Except the fact is we're never on our own. As Jesus says in Matthew 28, 20, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so we have the Holy Spirit with us. We have Jesus with us. So let's be strong as we go into our weeks and into our circles of friends where we might be the only Christian, the only disciple, the only representative. That's all I have to say, but let's let's be still for a second. Feel free to close your eyes. Feel free to lay your hands out. We're going to wait and see what the Holy Spirit wants to do. If the band would like to come up,
But let's just still our minds for a second. Holy Spirit, we ask for you to move in each of us as we, as we worship, as we respond. As I was praying over this talk and, and preparing it, I think there were two groups of people that I think we should pray for and I would love if we could be praying for each other. So the first group of people, you may feel like Nicodemus in the sense that you may come from a background of people who do not know him and yet you want to come to know Jesus. You accept him as a teacher from God. And if that is you, uh, I'll, I'm going to ask you to stand in a minute just so the people around you can pray. Or you may feel like Nicodemus in the sense that you're part of these circles that are completely opposed or just don't believe in God. And even though we have Jesus with us, you may be finding it tough to witness to those people, to stand up for him, to serve Jesus. And that's completely understandable. And if that is so, we'd love to pray for you. So if you feel like either of those groups of people, which would be okay if you stood and then the people around you can pray for you. <laughs> 